0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Guardians of the Future podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Matta. Took a week off there in between, just uh, trying to reset after the trading deadline, talking about you know the moves the Guardians made, shifts in the system, some promotions and whatnot. So uh, our last episode was two weeks ago, May feel free to go back and take, take a listen to that if you haven't yet, just kind of wrapping up the uh, trading deadline from the Guardians and trying to catch up on things so i know people have been asking me about my top uh prospect rankings i'm still working on that i actually have an interview with uh, guardians president of player development tomorrow rob Sirfolio, on tuesday so um i'm hoping to get some information there and that might shape my rankings a little bit so i've been i've been waiting on that interview to to finish my rankings off real quick i've got them done i just want to be able to shift things around if i find any interesting details out uh, from Rob about system so those will be coming shortly. I promise I do have them done I just want to make sure I feel good about Where they're at. Uh, thank you all for listening for downloading Subscribing rating reviewing all that good stuff If you haven't done any of that in a while if you're just listening would love to get a review. I think Spotify allows reviews now I know obviously Apple Podcasts allows reviews. I don't know. I'm surprised Google doesn't allow reviews yet. They should um, Tell a friend Um, find me on other social media platforms. I'm still on Twitter X, whatever we're calling it these days. I'm over on blue sky. I don't have any codes to throw out there, but if I do, I'll let you guys know. Um, still, I'm trying to use threads too. I'm trying to use everywhere until, uh, Lord knows what happens to this other websites out here. Uh, you can still find the newsletter, uh, at next year in Cleveland As always, that'll be in the link in the show description. All right. Got a couple things to get to today. First, the good news Kyle Manzardo is rehabbing. He has played a couple of games down in Arizona as the DH so far. He's got a hit and a walk, I believe, and a couple of at bats. Looking pretty good. I like the swing. I've, I've saw uh, Chris Welsh of Prospect One and, and The Athletic and some other podcasts who does really good work out there. He's uh, on Twitter at it is It Welsh or It's The Welsh. I can't remember what his Twitter handle is, but. Um, he does really good work, and he's got some videos from Arizona. He had videos on Kyle Manzardo, Jason Shurio, Ralphie Velasquez—exciting stuff, uh, good stuff. So go check that out. Really uh, enjoy his work, but exciting to see Menzardo rehabbing to get back on the on the uh, the comeback trail. I would imagine they'll probably send the AAA for a few games, maybe a week, depending on when he's ready to go. Uh, hopefully, it'll be sometime in the next two weeks or so uh, to get his feet back under him after what he's doing in Arizona. So. September call-ups, we are a little over 10 days away still. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be about 10, 11 days, September 1st. Remember the rules on September call-ups now, too. It used to be you can add anybody on their 40-man roster to your uh, September call-ups. Now, it is only two players. That's unfortunate. I I, I hate that rule. I think that um, you should have to call-up. I don't. Know, I mean, I don't know if you need to be able to call up, you know, if you have a 26-man roster do you need to call up the rest of your 40-man roster, but I think you can call up a few more than that and just, you know, dress 26 or 28 each day and have a couple guys inactive. I don't know why they just cut it down to two, especially why the Players Association, I don't know, do the player Association even agree to that? Because that limits service time and jobs. I can't remember how that came about, but I hate the rule. But anyway, maybe we'll see Kyle Manzardo in September. I don't know. That'd be fun. We'll see what happens with him there. Oh, there's September, September call-up, so... You know, you've got around baseball you've got uh the Yankees just been a couple of call-ups here this week um there's other call-ups that are happening around baseball because uh, there's no I think Mason Wynn is up and I'm trying to think who else has been up recently but there have been guys who are called up because they will not accrue enough service time the rest of the 2023 season um, in order to in order to lose prospect eligibility and rookie eligibility in 2024. Um, teams will probably still have to be a little bit judicious in terms of at-bats and, and innings pitch for some of these guys if they don't go over the threshold. But in terms of service time on the roster, I believe it's 45 days. So at this point in the season, there is not enough time left for those guys to go over that limit. Um, they certainly still could have enough at-bats and innings pitch to surpass their rookie limits for next year. but. The guys who are being called up at this point this season uh, for that reason are probably not going to get enough at bats because the teams are going to be cognizant of that. But I do wonder how much of the draft pick incentive is playing into that now. And I think it also makes sense, too. If you have a player that you think has a chance to play on your opening day roster, whether it's opening day next year or at some point in 2024, I think it makes a lot more sense to go out and add this guy. Um, at the end of 2023, even if you're not playing him every day, sorry, my camera's giving me some issues here if you're watching on YouTube. If you're not playing him every day, but you can let him get his feet wet in the majors, you know, they're, your first opening day is always special, right? Like that, every player, there's always nerves with that. But if you let a guy come up and get acclimated in the month of September and he's around certain players, he's not playing every day, he just gets familiar with the ballpark, the clubhouse, teammates, report times, you know, gets a couple of bats that can, you know, ease some things off going into the next season. He's already familiar with a lot of things at the ballpark um, and just how things are run at the big league level coaches and schedules and things like that. That can take a lot of the uh, uncertainty and pressure, I don't know the pressure, but it can take some of it off of them. That's important. You always want to put your guys in the best position to succeed. And a lot of that does have to do with mental focus. So, Um, So for a guy like Kyle Manzaro, if Cleveland feels like, hey, this is the guy we want, we want him to claim the first base job opening day next year, and they should, based on the trade they made, they should want him to be the opening day first baseman next year, or DH, however they decide to play it with Josh Naylor, provided he's healthy, you should get him some time in the majors this year, let him get acclimated, especially to Cleveland, he's new to the organization completely, let him come up and meet some of their players on the major league roster, let him get familiar with that um see what happens there and i would also extend this to george valera now hasn't been a great year for george valera overall he's got he had the handmade issue again that, that this is the, the second i guess this is the third time you want to be technical so he had a handmade issue way back in i think 2018 it goes back a couple of years when he was first in pro ball he had the handmade issue i think it was back when he was in arizona or going to Mahoney valley then he had a hamstring issue in mahoning valley he was out for a little bit for and then he had the handmaid pop up again this spring after he had surgery over the offseason. So, you know, twice the same ha- this handmade injury uh, popped him. And then he had a hamstring injury when he got back to Columbus after the handmaid problem. That sent him back a few weeks. So it hasn't been a good year in, in terms of that. And Valeros had a hard time staying on the field. I think last year was really the first year he had a decent amount of playing time in terms of uh, how long he played during the season. Uh, just unfortunate the way it's gone for him. But data suggests that he's hitting the ball better lately. He's hitting the ball over the fence. He's got some extra base hits. He's hitting the ball hard. Even his outs are going for uh, high exit velocities. He's getting, uh, driving the ball in the air. Look, Will Brennan, Oscar Gonzalez. I, I made my, I've made my feelings clear about Oscar Gonzalez at this point. Those guys are not laying claim to the right field job. And, if you want George Valera possibly to usurp them next year, it doesn't take a lot to overcome because it's not like those guys. Like I said, those guys haven't played very well. And I still like Will Brennan a lot. I think he can be a good major league player. But he hasn't laid claim to the job. He has not took his opportunity yet. And if you think George Valera is some sort of offensive piece that can help you in 2024, especially with a team that needs power and he has it, um, are they going to live with the strikeouts he's going to have? Who knows? They. They didn't want to live with Nolan Jones and Will Benton strikeouts. so They moved on so they could keep Oscar Gonzalez and Will Brennan, who don't strike out, but they hit a ton of ground balls to second base or third base. And, you know, Will Brennan plays good defense and runs and Oscar Gonzalez has a fun walk-up song. Are they going to live with George Valera's strikeouts? I don't know, but now it seems like a good time to find out. And you're not going to obviously get any serious information out of him, In terms of what he can do for you next season in September, even if he's playing like, you know, three or four games or five games, whatever it is. But if you reasonably want him to be part of your roster next year and you think that he has a potential to add some power to your lineup that you desperately need. If you have enough invested in him to think, okay, next year has got to be the year we have to get into the majors next year. He has to prove that he can help us out in the future and be part of the squad. September seems like a good time to call him up, especially right now. And he, you know, the stats may not look good, but he is playing much better lately. Um, he had an 0 for 4 on Sunday. It, and some of the batted ball data was good on Sunday too. So he's hitting the ball hard. He's feeling good about himself. He's on the field. It would be a good time to go up there and, and let him kind of go through those things. I think it would make a lot of sense given where the the franchise is at right now and their desperate need for outfield help uh, would be a good call up. other guys in September. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still pushing for Cody Morris to be one of the guys because for me, there's no reason I've talked about this on lockdown guardians. If you've listened over there, there's no reason Cody Morris should be in AAA right now. You know, for a while they are running out Daniel Norris and Michael Kelly, James Karen is back. And I can only assume James Karen is in Cleveland because he's trying Cleveland is desperate for him to rebuild some sort of value. And he, they feel like they can trade him this offseason. I know Jeff and I joked on Monday's lockdown guardians that the guardians are showcasing him. And I, if you have listened to me long enough, You know, I hate the term showcasing because it's not a thing in baseball, but guess what? (laughs) I may have to make an exception to that, that claim. They might be trying to quote unquote showcase him because um, they may be trying to rebuild some value there, but if it's me, I want Cody Morris up there because Cody Morris is now 26. I believe he's going to be 27 next season. You have got to get that guy in the majors while he's healthy and see what he can do. You've got to figure out if he's going to stay healthy enough in any role And the stuff is good. You've got to see if he's part of the future. You've got to get him major league reps and see what his role is going to be. So, you know, Valera and Morris, there's an option there. There's some people who said Brian LaVastita. I just don't think that's going to happen in September. I really don't. And I'm going to cover that here in a few segments, too, about LaVastita in the backup catching position with Cam Gallagher hurt. And then there's Joey Cantillo. I... I'd very much like to see Joey Cantillo in September too. Uh, I'm going to talk about him a little later in the podcast as well this week, but I think he's played well enough and earned enough. <sighs> it's a big risk to put four or five rookies in your rotation. If you count Xavion Curry, Xavion Curry is in the starting rotation as of right now. And you've got all uh, the other four are rookies besides uh, the other three are rookies besides Noah Syndergaard. Are you going to add Joey Cantillo and make it five? I will say Joey Cantillo is pitching on Noah Syndergaard's day still in the minors? If he, if Joey Cantella pitches Tuesday, he will continue to line up under Noah Syndergaard's starts. It's it's kind of conspiracy theory sounding, I guess, but at the same time, it's a, it might be a good option. He he's also one of those guys so I say would earn it. September call ups too are time to reward players to who have worked hard this season, who have improved their stock, have done something worth celebrating and. Joey Cantillo pitching April through September would be worth celebrating, number one. Number two, he's just pitched very well in general. He, you know, has had some bumps along the way in AAA, but he's missing bass. His control is better lately. I'll talk about him a little bit more, but I, I know. So Mo- Morris, Cantillo, Valera in September, I don't see anybody else. I know Jose Tenno is just up. Um, there's nobody else in this roster I'm calling up September. Those are your three, and you can shift through. Maybe you can call up all three. Maybe there's somebody else, whether it's, you know, Karen Jack or... um, any of the relievers who are struggling, Eli Morgan, Tim Heron, who's been up and down this year, maybe move through one of them to see what happens on this roster. Uh, I don't think they're going to bump Cole Calhoun because they seem to really value the 36 year old, uh, veteran presence in the locker room, which, you know, otherwise they'd be a young team. We'll see if somebody picks up something uh, uh, from him next season, because there's always, there's been stories like that. The Cole Calhoun thing is interesting. There's always stories that, um, You know, young players go on to say, well, I really learned from this veteran when I was around him. And it might have been a guy who was in the twilight of his career. Like we are all the time about guys who learned from Jason Giambi, who learned from Blake Parker, Brian Shaw. Like those guys were not playing well. They really didn't need spots on the roster and they had them. But you hear players say, well, I really learned from playing with this guy and being in the clubhouse every day. Maybe Cole Calhoun's one of those guys. I don't know. We're going to find out, I suppose, next year. Maybe he won't be. I'm just saying that's. Something I think of reasoning-wise, but uh, if he's holding back George Valera at-bats, if Will Brennan's holding back George Valera at-bats, or Austin Gonzalez, not good, not good. A lineup of Steven Kwan, Jose Ramirez, anybody playing first base, I, I don't know. Uh, okay, Gabby Arias, so Kwan and left, Jose, Gabby Arias, George Valera, Andre Jimenez, um, Will Brennan, Brian Rocchio, Bo Naylor, I'll even give you Ramon Laureano just to get him some playing time. Like those guys should be playing every day, and you're going to see what's happening with them. So I would like to see some at bats from those guys. So those are the three I would say September call ups. Um, as far as late season promotions are concerned, so you know you've seen some aggressive promotions. I guess not aggressive. Like you've seen some draft picks promoted. Like Dylan Cruz should have been in Double A to begin with. Paul Schemes was in Double A. Those guys were playing in the SEC. That's that's like high A Double A equivalent. There's no reason for those guys to be in Low A. But, uh, you know, the, the Padres have been aggressive. They moved up Jackson Merrill. They moved up um, Grant Paulson. They moved up Dylan Lesko, Robbie Snelling. It's an aggressive system. The Guardians tend to like their prospects, so I assume <laughs> they like how they do things, too, if they like their prospects, right? Maybe. Um, I, I just wonder if there's going to be any late-season promotions. In, in the past, when Guardians didn't promote prospects to play outside of the Arizona Rookie League, um, or complex league until very late. If, 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 uh, draft picks were playing at all, you didn't see a whole lot of movement this year, obviously because of that 180 rule, I think I'm going to bring up with, with, uh, Rob Serfolio on Tuesday with the, having to add the process, having, having to add the draft picks 15 days after signing them versus, uh, waiting until the off season and being able to snatch them all off season makes a, a big difference. So, you know, you've already had a bunch of draft picks debut, Lynchburg's got all of them except for, you know, Cooper Engel, who's at Lake County, who has fit in very nicely. I'm not surprised. I don't think he'll get challenged till double a, just because of his zone control, but you've got uh, Alex Mooney, CJ Kafis, J driver, Matt Jacek, Matt Jasek and Zane Morehouse all at Lynchburg and Johnny Tincher, who hasn't played in uh, Johnny Tinscher's on the IL. That was fast. He played one and a half games. Feel bad for the guy that he was already uh, hurt that fast, but on um, Arizona, you've got Kyle Scott, Jacob Bresnahan, Keegan Zinn, Matt Wilkinson, uh, Josh Harlow is playing out there. Um, Johnny Edvin Kula, Tommy Hawk, Ralphie Velasquez. Ralphie Velasquez already looks very good, and and Bert Rebock. I want to not I want to leave out Bert Reebok, but Ralphie's played pretty well again. Chris Welsh had good video on him as well. Swing looks good. Number looked, numbers look good. This is a hard working kid. I think it makes all the sense in the world to give him a taste of low A in like the last week. Same with Jason Churio. Uh, low A though, you've got, well, low A, you've got Mike Colado playing first base. Like he was a nice story early in the year. He's undersized for first base and he's really playing there because there's nobody else to play first base at low A. You can play CJ Cephas there now. Uh, Angel Janau is rotating between DH second, third and short with Jose Devers, Benjamin and the great Carson Tucker. You've got Manuel Mejias and Robert Lopez catching in Lynchburg. Mark Filia is there. Um, this is kind of a, a non-drafted free agent signing. There's a bats to be had. Even though playing every day, you can play him once or twice. The big thing for him is, you know, he's living away from home for a little bit. Or he's already in Arizona, though. So is he really? I don't know. Uh, is there really much a difference doing that? So I would say getting Ralphie and Jason Churio to because Angel Zarate should be in in high A right now, and they won't do it. Chase the DeLauder, the last, like, week of the season in A. you know, Corey Holland's played fine, but, you know, no offense to Corey Holland. He's not, you know, a prospect right now in terms of uh, future with this team. Cesar Adrogo is spending time on the bench there, uh, who's barely playing, and Joe Naranjo is back. You're playing a lot of Bryce Ball at first base. Like, you can move up chase the water and find it bats for him between DH and the outfield. You got enough guys um, or, you know, you can move up Jake Fox. He's played really well at the end of the season too. And, and even so moving, moving uh, Jason or moving Jason Churio to high A and moving angels Ararte to, I'm sorry, high A and moving Jason Churio to low A Isaiah green isn't getting a lot of playing time. And I'm sorry, he shouldn't, he's not looked good this year and he was already on the developmental list for a reason. So if you can find it bats for Wilfredo era for, Angels or Arte in his place. You do that. There are guys that can move up out of the Arizona league and, and get some at-bats late in the year, especially those two. And especially Jason Churio who's had enough at-bats at this point down there. Pitchers probably not so much, but we'll see, but um, you know, I, yeah, I'd love to see some late promotions. I'd love to see Diane Frias go to double a, I don't see any at-bats for him there, but I don't think it's going to happen. So Fox and Delauder, maybe at best. Um, if you can move other guys up from Arizona pitching wise, there's nobody go up. I mean, Parker Messick should be in double-A. There's no, there's no innings for him between Hunter Stanley, Dion Leftwich, Carver, McKay, McKaysey, and Mace. So he's going to be stuck at high-A for right now. Um, and triple-A. You could move one of those guys to the triple-A, but you have, you know, Plesak, who's just kind of riding it out there. Gaddis, and then Jared Eikhoff. If you want to dump Jared Eikhoff and move somebody up. There's only really nobody in double-A I would move to triple-A, though. Like, Hunter Stanley had a good start the other day, but he's been inconsistent Dion, I don't think is ready left which has been hurt this year and has been down but he's been better lately I will say I like Ross Carver I'm going to talk about him in a little bit Um, I like Nikhazy but I would I'm not sure he's ready for triple-a Mace is not so I don't think there's any room there's nobody going going from double-a to triple-a that I think makes a lot of sense but maybe we'll see somebody I don't know Um, we'll talk a little bit more who's hot who's not here at the end of the podcast why not Brian Lavastita so when Cam Gallagher went on the IL the Guardians. Purchased Zach Collins's contract and brought him up to catch. He's caught two games. He caught one of the doubleheader and he caught on Sunday. He's now gone for Eric Hos. Welcome home, Eric Hos. One of my favorite prospects to come through Lake County. Great dude. Completely had to work very hard. I mean, he was he was given quite a bit of a uh, bonus. I don't remember the top of my head, but the Guardians did like him. Or Cleveland did like him when they drafted him. And gave him a little bit, quite a bit of money for his round to not go to play at Ohio State. He's a Michigan kid who went to Ohio State, so give bonus points in my book for that. <clears throat> and he worked really hard, though. He realized that he was going to need to hit for more power, due to the position, and the other things he didn't really do. He had to get the ball in the air more. He had to work on his swing. He was using a lot of data and hit tracks. Um, and I remember him being an actor, and I talked to him about that and just trying to figure out a new swing you know, at age 24 or 23 in A, which is, you know, a lot for a guy who's trying to make it to the majors. So uh, he learned a new swing. He had to learn new adjustments based off that swing. He was, and it was really good to talk to. It was really eye opening. One of the first players I ever talked to that talked about using like data and analytics to help his swing out and change his approach a little bit. And I'm glad he's back. So I don't think Brian Lavastina made sense for them though, because you're hoping this is a short-term injury just for Cam Gallagher's sake, not for what, you know, he does. For the team, I know pitchers, you know, have said they like throwing to him. He's obviously a pretty bad major league hitter in comparison to the rest of baseball. And it was pretty obvious whoever they brought in wasn't going to play much. Cam Gallagher wasn't playing that much to begin with, right? And I don't think anybody would have came in if David Fry was healthy, but David Fry is also hurt, too. So that is another component of this. But whoever they brought in just wasn't going to play. It was going to be Bo Naylor five or six days a week anyway. So no sense there in bringing up Lavastita. To play once a week, he just got his season back on track in the last few months, and I don't think it made sense to bring him up and sit him for X amount of time, whatever it ended up being, until Gallagher or Fry came back. Maybe when the rosters expand, you could have held on to him up there, but he needs to play. He got he just got his career back on track in terms of the uh, offense. You're not going to get a whole lot defensively from him right now. Like he's not going to be your your backup catcher who provides you know, good defense. So not really the role for him right now. I do think they'll have to add him to the roster in the offseason unless they go out and trade him. I don't know. That's their thing. And Jeff Ellis, my co-host on Lockdown Gardens, keeps making a good point that you have to give him a mulligan too. We gave Bo Naylor, and I will say, I think Bo Naylor is the better player, the better athlete, all around, you know, everything. But we gave Bo, I gave Bo Naylor a mulligan based on his, you know, uh, rough 2021 performance coming off the pandemic. Um, Lavastita had a big breakout in 2022, and he was out of the 40-man roster. I don't think he took a step above, or I should say, 2021, and he looked like he took a step above Bo Naylor. But he has fallen back this year, and he got removed from the 40-man roster. But he's kind of, you know, come back lately. So if we gave Bo Naylor a mulligan, I think it's fair we give Brian Lavastita a bit of a a runway here too, and see what he can do, because it's not like this this. System is not flush with catching depth, although the draft has improved it. You've got, you know, Ralphie now. I kind of like some of the uh, international signing kids, but they're far away. You've got Tencher, who is probably really a coach in the long term. you got Cooper Engel. So there is a few more guys there, but not a lot. So we're seeing what La can do. But now is not the time he wasn't going to play. Um, who's been hot lately? So I mentioned I was going to talk about Cantillo. Cantillo has not had more than two walks in his last couple of starts, um, he still has got a kind of a high-pitch count for five or six innings when he's going out there. But he he's hit a few batters, but he's limiting the walk, so it, things are improving with him. The stuff looks really good, I think. Um, Just kind of taking that next step forward. Ross Carver, you know, I saw Ross Carver. So he struck out 12 in his last start for Akron in six innings, and he only needed 83 pitches to do it. That's really impressive. The start before that, he struck out, I think, six and five innings. But he also gave a three-run homer, and he got hit a little bit. But I watched that start, and I'm like, man, and it was against um, Harrisburg, who has a very good lineup. They didn't have Dylan Cruz yet, but they had a lot of good guys. They had Robert Hassel, and they had James Wood. They had Brady House. That's a very good lineup. And he pitched very well against them. I uh, missed some bats. I was really impressed. So I think Ross Carver could be kind of a, a sleeper pitching prospect for them who has been really good lately. let uh, see who else. Jake Fox has been on a tear lately. I really liked what I've seen from him. Jose Devers has – Eight homers since July. He's got ten for the season, so he's been really hot lately. Obviously, Jonathan Rodriguez has been hot in Columbus, although the strikeout to walk ratio, I think, is just kind of a, a shoe that's going to flip very soon. Stephen Hajar had a six inning, eight strikeout inning or a six inning, eight strikeout performance last week for Lake County. That looked really good. I, I continue to be high on Hajar in terms of what he, you know, the some of the ceiling. I, I think there's a good starter in there. The control is an issue. I don't see a changeup, so I think he's probably a reliever but I'm willing to let him continue to keep starting in the meantime, but um, why not? Congrats to Ethan Hankins, first pro win last week. Ethan Hankins has made like 30 minor league starts since 2018, since he was drafted, which, you know, is crazy, considering he's been around quite a long time, and he missed, you know, missed 2020, missed 2021, and he missed most of 2022. Um, so he never had a pro win. He is 1 in 10 in his career, but he pitched – Five innings, struck out five, and we walked to reportedly like 92-96 at 97 on that start. Uh, first pro win. You know, pitcher wins we know are worthless and whatever, but always good to get that first one. It's just hard to believe it took this long for him, so kudos to, to Ethan Hankins. I'm still very on the fence on adding him to the 40-man roster right now. I think he'd get through. I don't think it's worth it, but uh, we'll see. Jackson Humphreys had a very bad first start. He didn't get out of the second inning. Two weeks ago, this past week, he struck out six in five innings, didn't walk a batter. I think he gave up a run and two hits, so he looked really good in his second start. Good for him. Uh, As for guys, not so hot. Well, um, let's see. Not so great for, I haven't not really been impressed with Tanner Burns as a reliever yet. I know he's getting used to the role, and I'm not really sure what they're doing with him overall. But, uh, you know, so far it hasn't gone well for him. Uh, We'll see what happens if he settles into a role. I think he needs an offseason to figure something out because whatever he was doing this year, he was having a hard time finding consistency. Just has not looked like that guy that we thought was going to be a pretty safe like four or five starter coming out of um, Auburn. But, you know, he's had a weird developmental path with injuries and the 2020 season, obviously, you know, infecting a lot of people. That's super, super unfortunate. Uh, Jake Miller had a rough start. Um, I don't think he got out of the second inning in Lake County in his uh, non-complex league debut. He was the uh, Cleveland's 20th round pick in 2020 or 2021, I should say. Um, So not a great first start for him outside of that. But like we just said, Jack Snumfries had a horrible start, his first start outside of the complex leagues, and he bounced back to have good in his second start. So hopefully he'll turn it around. Aaron Davenport behind him gave up, I think, seven runs or eight runs in five innings. Just needed the innings out of him. Did not look good they uh, been very up and down this year. He's shown flashes and he's also had some bad starts. And I kind of think he's a reliever, but, you know, we'll see. They, again, they need the innings from him as well. Um, Been a tough year for Gabriel Rodriguez. Petey Halpin's been up and down. I'm trying to think Carson Tucker's back off the I.L. He's obviously not playing well. It's hard to even play well when you're injured half the season. And when he was playing, it hasn't been all that great. Um, Zayn Morehouse had a better game in his second uh, appearance in Lynchburg, but his first one was rough. Matching, all these guys making their first like pro debut, I guess it should be expected. They've all kind of had a very tough pro debut or non, non-complex non debut. Um, so we'll see a couple pictures of how I had a rough start down in the complex league as well. So as I said my my uh, prospect update will be out um, in the coming week after I talk to Rob Serfolio. It's all done. I just want to you know fine-tune some things. And I want to get some answers from him on some guys. I want to ask about Justin Campbell, I want to ask about Dylan DeLucia. I want to ask about how Espino's rehab is going. Um, let's see, there's a couple other guys. I want to ask about where Alex Free Planez has been, uh, how Jacob Zibbon's rehab is going. A lot of injuries I want to cover with him um, and just some other developmental things this year and, and see what they've seen. So I will fine-tune that after I talk to Rob Serfolio this week, and then I will get that out maybe by the end of the week, I'm hoping. Um, I was in Lake County last week for the Chase DeLauder walk-off double that was uh, inside the park, Little League Homer. That was a lot of fun. I unfortunately did not get to meet up with uh, DeLauder, talk to him after the game. Got a little busy, apparently. Um, However, I did get to catch up with Parker Messick. Parker Messick, (laughs) uh, five innings, I think 11 strikeouts two weeks ago in his last free to start. And then um, on Friday this past week, he struck out 10 in six innings, gave up one run. Um, did not win Midwest play of the week, tough crowd. He uh, lost out to a guy who struck out six and in six innings. I don't know. The guy didn't give me run. I guess that's really it. But, um, Parker Messick has 21 strikeouts in his last two innings. Talking about a guy who's hot right now. I've really liked the way I've watched him pitch. He, you know, has his fastballs by eight, 89, 93. He's got a good slider. He's really commanding that slider. Guys are chasing the slider. That's good. The changeup is there. Um, he controls the run game very well. He's got good control overall. Just a, everything you like to see from a guy who's like a, a back of the rotation starter type. And, you know, if he can get more consistently 90 to 93, 94, 95, that makes a big difference. So right now I had him at 89, 93 and hitting 94 on Friday. But again, doesn't, doesn't walk a lot of guys, um, has two, two above average pitches, at least average. I would say the fastball plays up because of ex- extension is, his extension his his release. The slider's good, and I think he has a pretty good changeup. So, you know, he's got three pitches. He's got control. He controls the run game. Um, things play up a little bit there. So I really like the upside there, and, and if he can get a little more velocity, I think he comes a long way, even more than So I got to catch up with Parker after the game. Actually, was uh, when I was doing radar on him in the stands. I was sitting behind his grandparents, got to meet them. They were pretty cool, very nice people um, from Essex, start, and actually found he was matched up against uh, Max Rajik, who um, – Pitched for UCLA. I can't remember the college he which I think it was UCLA. No, I don't think it was UCLA. I'm not sure now. I don't want to get it wrong, but uh, it was Florida state and whoever they were playing in the Auburn regional the year before. And those two matched up against each other in the Auburn regional. And then they were matched up at, against each other on Friday and they both pitched a whale of a game. That guy was good. Mark Messick was good. They were matching pitch for pitch. Um, you remember him kind of from that Auburn start too. So. I'm going to play some clips from that interview and that'll be the end of this, this week's podcast. So thank you all for listening, uh, sticking with me through the inconsistent schedule this year. I promise over the off season, we'll have more interesting discussions, you know, about the 40 man roster. I'm sure we'll make a, you know, have a big podcast about the 40 man roster and what's going to go on there. Um, going to the off season and how things look for prospects. We'll talk about the AFL. We'll talk about the rule five draft as we always do. I know people who listen to this podcast love that. So, uh, you know, stay tuned. We'll still have more to come for you. I promise. Tell a friend. Stick with us to the inconsistent schedule. Make sure you're listening, whether it's on wherever you get podcasts, on YouTube. Share with a friend. Leave a nice review. Or if you don't leave a nice review, tell me why, I can how I can get better, how the podcast can get better, um, and what you're looking for out of this. So uh, thanks for listening. And uh, here's uh, Parker Messick. A couple of clips from him.
1: Uh, I mean, everything. We're just kind of working on new pitches and trying to develop as a player and, just trying to, you know, throw more pitches, throw better pitches, and you know, had the fastball, slider, change in, uh, curve working the night and ended up in a good outing. There's something new every week. I mean, right now, it's it's trying to locate the fastball to different parts of the zone, and trying to make the curveball a little a uh, little bit bigger, play it off the slider a little bit better, and you know, the more we work on those things, just recently, you know, got a better feel for a tighter, sharper slider, and. You know, the more I develop my pitches, you know, the better the outings going to come. So I'm looking forward to continue to do that and, and start to get better. Yeah, there's, there's definitely, you know, a case for that. The, the more you throw for the strike, the more you can kind of expand the zone later in the game. And, um, yeah, they, just the ability to kind of mix the pitches tonight was, was really what kept them, you know, kind of having to, to honor different pitches a little bit outside the zone. I've kind of done that um, through college. Um, I've always just kind of had a slide step to go with the, the, the longer delivery. That's just to kind of control the run game, and you know the more you can limit guys taking bags off of you and, and leave them where where they you know if they get a hit and they deserve that first bag, leave them there, and you know the more you can do that, the more it um, keeps runners out of scoring position. You know that ultimately takes runners off the board. Uh, off the board and a uh, better chance for I'm sure that was probably pretty loud for you. They, they, tend, <laughs> to be, they tend to be yelling uh, quite a bit. You know, usually I travel big. The family always comes. So they like to yell. So, I mean, it, it's it's always really cool getting to spend time with them and be able to pitch in front of them. I actually didn't even think about that until after the game or until after I finished pitching. I was like, wait, I, I faced this guy. So that was, pre- that was pretty cool. And it ended up, you know, in a, in a good, way, good way for us. But it was just a good game all the way around. He pitched really well. And, you know, we just had a good battle.
0: What do we got to do to get you a Midwest Player of the Week next week? Last week was eleven strikeouts. Tonight it was ten. What do we got to do? Uh,
1: don't don't give up any runs. I mean, you know, we'll never know. I, you know, we try not to play for that stuff. It, it is cool to to see it every now and then, but you know, we just play to get better and you know, try and get try and get as many wins as we can.